Welcome to Under the Lens. Come and enjoy an extraordinary, raw, and unfiltered podcast that delivers debate, discussions, and interviews about film, pop culture, and everything in between. Here is your host, film critic and journalist, Byron Lafayette. Discover the new take on Don Quixote and War of the Worlds. What would have happened if aliens invaded medieval Spain? Well, now humanity has an unlikely defender in Don Quixote in this action-packed tale of aliens versus knights. This is the premise behind writer Tom Pinchuk's exciting new comic, Clash of the Classics. Tom has worked on Cartoon Network's Ben 10 and Mattel's Max Steel while crafting mature audience comics for Heavy Metal Magazine, among many others. Tom has also written for television, comics, and everything in between. I'm very excited to have talked with Tom today about his new project, Clash of the Classics, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Well, uh, well, Tom, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, to come and chat with me about your new project. Uh, it's always exciting uh, when I hear something of yours is coming down the pike, so I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, so let's get started with this with this brand new project you have. Um, so it's uh, it's Clash of the Classics, I believe is the is the title. Um, and as soon as like I started looking at it, I just like this was right down my alley. It just I loved the I loved the splicing together of everything and the worlds colliding, you know. And I just thought I I got to talk with you <laughs> when I saw the premise of this because it was just so cool. Um, so you know to get started, like you know what what was the what was the birth of the idea to to take different classics and put them together. Well, I, I got involved with uh, with Kipsell, uh kind of in a consultant capacity because they wanted to get in the, the comic space. And somewhere along the line, they're like, why don't we just make some comics with Tom? And so um, they were interested in doing some stuff with public domain characters. And so we made a list. And I, I just I, I don't know, like I just I've always loved the crossovers. You know, I love the idea of just sort of turning things topsy turvy and um I think that I also always love to get back in the mindset of who I was at a certain age, just either as a reader or consumer or you know viewer or whatever you want to call it. And I, I think this is definitely appealing to uh, a Tom Finchuk who was bored in English class uh, at a certain age, like trying to imagine how much uh, you know uh, crazier the, the the assigned reading could get. So we've mentioned uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies kind of as a comparison point. Um, I, I don't know what it was specifically that um, made Don Quixote and War of the Worlds stick out as a, as a mm-hmm. comparison. I just say there's like a bolt of blue, you know, just this vision in my mind that I saw of um, him about to joust with one of the tripods and it just mm-hmm. it seemed to fit. And um, what I what I told him was I really wanted to make sure that I had time to do it right. Mm-hmm. And to my mind, doing it right was I, I feel like there's a lot of comics that have done literary crossovers, obviously, because we don't. Their, their characters in the public domain. Um, I was really not interested in it because I just haven't really enjoyed too much. Of it. it's, like, it's Dracula versus the Wolfman in Oz. And it's <laughs> that doesn't really feel as inspired by me uh, and to me or, uh, you know, and I also don't feel like you get the sense that they just not even from like, what are you basing this off of? Is it actually based off of the books or is it based off of, you know, a movie or maybe in the movie that you didn't watch, mm-hmm. you know? So that was what, I was really committed to trying to each one of these, like putting the research in and making sure that we were true to uh, Don Quixote and, um, um, you know, H- uh, Cervantes and War of the Worlds in this case. Um, with that said, mm-hmm. I could, I, I'm hoping that both of those authors are rolling in their graves 
uh, knowing what we're doing with this. Because because the, the the real overriding creative ambition for me was just to take Don Quixote and completely ruin the point of the book. <laughs> Oh, that's really funny. Oh, yeah, because it was it was, you know, what struck me, you know, when I was looking at like the the art and stuff in the store was I loved how how original a lot of it was, you know, of kind of taking the concepts from, you know, both of the books and then kind of creating something new. Like what one thing that stood out uh, was the tripods having like windmill blades on them. And I, I really liked that, you know, because it just felt like a great little a little nod, you know, to Don Quixote himself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that was an idea of Kipsell's that they uh, they contributed. I, I wasn't I wasn't initially on board with it, but I think once I saw uh, uh, how Nikos handled it, I think it, it it fit a lot better, and I think it kind of ni- nicely uh, separates our story from other conceptions of the tripods. Um, which actually, by the way, I found out in the books that they're always called fighting machines. They're mm-hmm. not actually called tripods in the books. Oh, that's interesting. Um, in the book, I should say. Um, I, I think that we tried to mitigate it a little bit by making them seem like more like solar panels, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking like maybe where they get their powers. But we wanted to give them a uh, more of a steampunk look because, you know, the, the thrust of the story is, is that the Martian invasion happens a couple hundred years early mm-hmm. and um, it's it's it, they land in Spain as opposed to England mm-hmm. and who happens to be there. But the infamous Don Quixote and what I just thought was really wonderful or uh wonderfully perverse perhaps uh <laughs> in this case was you know i w- what i w- was struck by when i when i re- read don quixote was that it really is like the kick-ass of its era mm-hmm. which i don't think a lot of people make the connection of but it's the same basic idea it's like okay this you know this this uh this wealthy noble he reads too many stories of her of here you know heroes and adventures and he starts to believe he's a knight mm-hmm. um you know as opposed to reading comic books about superheroes and the real um continual tragedy or satire of it or the comedy of it is that he thinks he's fighting giants when he's fighting windmills or he thinks that he's a knight when he's really this um this nut and he sees a prostitute and he thinks that uh she's his lady love he sees a peasant and he thinks that that's his squire like it's all coming through this um this fantasy vision he has of the world and i thought to myself like well if 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 the tragedy is that he's the right man for the wrong time what if it was the right time? Mm-hmm. You know, what if uh, he'd been training against these giants and now he has an enemy that he's uniquely qualified to defeat or to, to, to wage war against. And I just found that really fascinating. And so then the, the, the thrust of the joke sort of changes is that he still is crazy. Um, <laughs> so the, the fun for me is it was kind of like, I think the comparison we were using was like, um, Sancho Panza sort of becomes like his manager or like a rock star, uh, a really like, um, you know, you know, bad boy, you know, rock star who everybody has to put up with because he's so talented. <laughs> so in this case, it's that that they still have to deal with all his rantings and ravings, but they put up with it because he's just so good at killing Martians. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I love that concept that you say of, of uh, the story being the kick-ass of its era. I think that's that's incredibly uh, accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, above all, I mean, I don't want to. We're going to be doing more clashes. It's an anthology series. I've, yeah. I've said it's a bit like what if, but we're we're taking classic adventure characters and mm-hmm. generally we just take one from one book and put them in the plot of another. Mm-hmm. Um, we have more plans. It's not mm-hmm. going to be like a periodical where we're putting them out like monthly. Um, mm-hmm. where we really want to make, make sure that we're taking our time and, and making something that's going to, um, you can really like, you know, simmer on and, and, and sink into and reread, mm-hmm. um, rather than something that we're rushing out to doing the second volume, but we have more planned. 
Um, but what I found in my research for almost all of them was the popular conceptions of these characters are not accurate to <laughs> what the books are. Um, <laughs> like almost all, like in, in almost every case, mm-hmm. it, it's like there. It, it's it was amazingly like, what the discrepancy was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for instance, like, well, I mean. You know, Peter Pan being one that maybe we may or may not uh, approach. But what I found interesting was just that, um, you know, you'll you'll hear a lot of uh, discussions like we're going to do a dark version of Peter Mm. Pan and we're going to explore the Freudian subtext that was no no one understood was there. And then you read the the book by, you know, J.M. Barry and it's like that's it's there. Like, Uh (laughs) you know, like. It's not like this is an incredibly like, you know, straightforward, earnest tale about how Mm -hmm. awesome it would be to be, you know, a boy forever. It it does Mm -hmm. get into there is also a tragedy of there's a lot of the life experience that you're not going to get into because you're Mm -hmm. not going to mature. And he's also he's pretty consistently presented as a brat. You know, there Mm -hmm. are there's a charming side to to Peter Pan. But there's also like anybody, if you think really honestly about who you were as, Mm -hmm. you know, as a child, there's. Um, you're impatient, you're rude, mm-hmm. you're entitled. Those are all things that civility is supposed to kind of, um, you know, iron out of you, but it's not with, with Peter. But what I also was struck by was the fact that like, you know, there's, there's a conversation they have at one point where like, I think like Tiger Lily, um, Peter's confused because after he rescues Tiger Lily, he thinks that she wants more out of him than friendship. And he's not mm-hmm. really sure what that means. Mm-hmm. And then Wendy mm-hmm. understands what that means, uh-huh. but she's not about to explain it to him. And it's like, okay, we, we know what they're talking about, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but it's like, that's not, that's not your revisionist interpretation of the material. Mm-hmm. Like that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, above all that, that's, that was what I found was pretty um, fun about this. I mean, also say like Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. is a cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, 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 and it's like, I, 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 and I, when I first heard about that, like I heard about things like the 7% solution, I assumed mm-hmm. that that was something like, oh, he's using this, this medicine that they think is okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't until years later that they found out it was a problem. It's like, no, they knew. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, I was reading some of the, um, some of the Holmes stories and one of them even opens with it saying like, uh, Watson says, uh, in, in so many words saying, um, Sherlock's cocaine problem was getting out of control mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and so mm-hmm. it was something that like that but the thing was that was a character flaw so mm-hmm. i think like when people for instance uh you know they the, the make say comparisons between like say like sherlock holmes and house i remember that mm-hmm. was happening a lot of times mm-hmm. and people will think like oh they, these are completely you know earnest stories with no um no sense of like uh, uh, ironic contrast or, you know, flaws or darkness or whatever. It's like, no, they were there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Sir Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle was presenting a character that was supposed to have, it was writing for an adult audience mm-hmm. that was expecting character flaws mm-hmm. in their uh, action adventure uh, heroes. And in this case, he was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his, that was his feet of clay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was something I, I, I think that I was really keen to um, just explore outright with this was just the fact that like I oops mm-hmm. oh did I did I freeze there? Uh, uh, no, I think no, you were good. <laughs> okay, I just got a little notice about my connection. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that that's what I wanted to capture with uh, with Coyote was just that um, I, I in the book like specifically they they kind of attribute that the, the his brain is too dry, which I suppose uh-huh. is not. Is not a concept that modern medicine uh, generally accepts, but I thought that was an interesting notion that he was just um, there was some kind of imbalance in his humors that was causing him to um, 
have these mad visions. But I think there's sometimes you might ask somebody who, um, you know, what's Don Quixote about? And they think he's just, he's a knight who goes off like having adventures. It's like, mm, he's a loser. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole point of like the novel is like, and, and I also think what's kind of interesting too, is that mm-hmm. at that point, like in the, the sense of like in the modern world, it was a response to the stories of King Arthur being out of touch mm. with modernity. Like they thought those stories were too simplistic. So, um, you know, we really wanted to embrace that wholeheartedly um, and just do something that um, I, 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 again, I just, I just kept going back to like, what, what, what if we just let him win? Just let, uh, him, let him kick ass, you know, like, I, and, and do that in a way that just, mm-hmm. you had like a beautifully ironic point you wanted to make about, mm-hmm chivalry and romance and we're going to ruin all that yeah. is, you know I, I, I just want to completely obliviate that point and um you know have some fun with it and that's uh-huh. and, I, and i think especially what we we really were committed to doing was because we had a one shot it's really uh you know all killer no filler approach mm-hmm. where um i'm hoping that when everybody reads it it, it feels like a definitely a complete story um and in the sense that as much as you think that you maybe understand where this mashup might go we push it way beyond that mm-hmm. at the end. So it will, it will escalate to areas that I don't think you might be ready for. <laughs> well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Cause I've been noticing a lot more in the comic industry, how there's been more one shots coming out. Uh, and it's been something that I, I personally really like. Cause even though I love a continuing, you know, saga of a story with, you know, new issues and stuff, there's something very fulfilling, you know, about having just that kind of, like you said, you know, um, no filler, just completely to the point, you know, bookended story in a one shot and uh you know it's, it's something i definitely enjoy as well as the the other more traditional means yeah i i think the, the comparison i like to use a lot is to say like singles off of an album or even just singles out of an album like you know how often do people actually listen to the single that's on the album mm-hmm. right um and I, I just like the idea of having something that's very just distilled and we're not we're not saving for tomorrow like we're um you know we're not this isn't an extended prologue this is not something that we're saving for the good stuff we really want to um you know uh blow things up and burn the house down and really go as far as we can um in a concentrated amount of space rather than saying like oh there's going to be uh, a cliffhanger here and we'll get to the good stuff later like mm-hmm. i think you know i again i i think there's both approaches um work but i mean uh you know i I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I, 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 I was part of the thing that I was, I was thinking about with this is I really enjoy like the amalgam comics and like tangent, like there was uh Mar- Marvel and DC used to do like these fifth week events in the nineties. They kind of like gotten away from since then where, which was like, they'd have a bonus week, like every three months. Mm-hmm. And so instead of like having like regularly scheduled books, they'd have like a line of one shots. Um, and I remember really enjoying those. Like, and I think there's the same reason that there was an interesting quality of them of just like, um, just having a perfectly distilled story that kind of run with ran with a fun premise. You know, what if we combine Marvel and DC characters, or what if um, we introduce a new universe where it's the same names you may recognize, like there is a Flash and there is a Joker and there is an Atom, but they're completely different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I I thought would be really fun for this is we have something kind of similar in spirit to that where we have, um, you know, you may be familiar with the plot of this one book and you may be familiar with the, uh, the character in this other story, but we're going to put, I'm going to take one and put it in the other and all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also preface everything by, by the way, by saying that um, there will, there's, there's a recap at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not want to presume <laughs> that anybody uh, picking this up would have like a deep familiarity or, or mm-hmm. would really recollect um the plot of War of the Worlds or uh, or Don Quixote, so we really wanted to uh, meet them halfway. 
Mm. So um, it, we, we, it's very succinct. Like we just, we have the conceit of the story is that there's some kind of like grand library that exists mm. at the edge of imagination. Some disaster mm. happens there and it causes mm. um, these books to fuse together. And so we just very quickly say, Hey, here's what you should know about Don Quixote. Here's what you should know about war of the Worlds." What if they mash together? So in this case, like I said, like what if the Martians came earlier and they went to a different place and we're going to go. <laughs> uh, we're off to the races yeah well, that's awesome that you guys because i noticed in uh, one of the preview pra- pages i saw i saw that element of the grand library on fire and i was like yeah, i was like oh that's cool yeah <laughs> it was a, it was a great concept <laughs> yeah, i i i really would push for that i just think that it's something that um you know i i, I just think that we were i was really thinking about the venn diagram of people who might enjoy the story <laughs> and, and it's like you know i i you know, you may, you may, maybe you like comics and maybe mm-hmm. you like, you know, classic literature and maybe you've read Don Quixote, maybe uh-huh. not, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you've read War of the Worlds, maybe not. Um, and I wanted, you know, we're going to find the one that kind of hits all those circles. But I said, Let's, I, I've done the homework, so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Cause, you know, cause it's awesome. Cause actually, you know, I've, I've never read Don Quixote. Like I'm somewhat familiar with the character a little bit, but I have read War of the Worlds. So it's like, so that, that's cool. That they have that. Um, it's a Don Quixote is a long one. It's mm-hmm. a long one. Um, yeah, that's it's it's an epic for sure. <laughs> oh, this kind of has made me made me curious to uh, to go and pick that one up now because it's it's always been on my you know in the back of my mind of like oh I should read that at some point and so uh, how did uh, how did it come about for uh, for you to work with uh, with Nikos on this? Mm-hmm. I just had such a great experience working with him on uh, Remember Andy Zenon, um, mm-hmm. which uh, hopefully listeners of, of this uh, this program may recall. Um, uh-huh. And I was looking really eager to work with him again. And I pitched him to, to Kipsell and I said, this guy is going to really execute the story perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he, he did, he really brought it. And I was just, I think we've, we've really been developing a, a creative partnership that I think we have a much, we're more at ease with each other and we understand each other's um, uh, methods even more. And so I think that was something that he absolutely delivered. Uh, I, I've, I'm always in awe, like every time he was handing in a page and he was just, he took something that maybe would sound a little silly on, on paper and made it feel epic. Like he made it, it looked like a, these, this badass action. And so it was something that he, um, he was just fantastic to work with. I, I think maybe more than anything, and what, what I appreciate about Nikos as well is that going back to what I was saying before about trying to make something that's going to last. Um, Cause it, it, it's something I've, I've thought a lot about with like periodicals versus say like prestige format books or things that come out like under special circumstances, like a one shot mm-hmm. um, time is the issue. You know, like we, we, you know, if you're, if you're having to produce monthly, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have time for revisions mm-hmm. or maybe as many revisions as you, as you should get. Mm-hmm. And um, we really wanted to take advantage of the lead time we had on this and to really pack in detail. And it's something that, you know, I, I think there's not always the opportunity to do that um, when you're doing something monthly. And, you know, I, I, I write pretty detailed scripts. I, I like the notion of having, OK, what is the we're, we're using the angle as part of the storytelling. It's just not the it's not the obvious angle you know, that we're reaching for. Um, there's going to be details that you might not notice on the first go. And then on the second time, like, oh, that was what was going on there. I didn't see that in the on the page. And, um, you know, there are. Um, I think there's different strokes for different folks all around. Um, I, I definitely work with some some artists who um, maybe don't have as much capacity sometimes even for that detail, and and he he jumps at it. And I think that's something that he 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 likes to work with. And so that was something that 
I'm always impressed that the amount of detail that he's able to pack in, but also how dynamic it all looks. Like he, it's not just that he um, factors in uh, all these elements, but he really makes them leap off the page and really makes you, um, you know, want to pump your fist in the air that you, the ways that you wouldn't expect to. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I really, I really like his, his art and I thought, you know, you guys work together really great with, uh, with Andy Zenon. And I really enjoyed kind of his art style for Clash of the Classics because it, it added kind of like, you know, like you say, he took this kind of a bit of like whimsical feel to it that is still there, but he also has has that kind of, you know, the some of the brutality in there as well, you know. So it's like, you know, and I, I liked that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, I think he has a, a perfect balance of styles that I like where I think it's um there's a cartoonishness to it, but there's also um, weight to it as well and the detail and texture that he infuses it with. And so I think it just, it's, I think especially with this story, because, you know, I, I don't think working with Don Quixote, if we did a, a really serious, like dour story would work mm-hmm. either. Like it's, it would be a disservice to the character. So we wanted to have some comedy in it, but we also didn't want it to be something that you just kind of, it's totally farciful. Like there is, there is some some drama and some uh, some pathos to it, and there's also some some action that you can really get behind. Um, which again, I, I, which was always like the element that I was I was especially just tickled with because I just love the idea of like that's the complete opposite point of the, <laughs> of the novel. Um, you know, like there's not it's you'll have to see it to believe it, but I think we managed to pull it off. I should know actually, by the way, too, that we're. Um, we're we've got something else in the works that's going to be coming up uh, next too. It's being a pretty big project, mm. um, but we've we've been in development for a while. I've actually gone ahead and written all the scripts for that now. Um, I won't say too much about it just because you know we're, we haven't quite figured out what the venue is uh, for it yet, and so I've learned kind of not to get too far ahead of myself uh, on these yeah. things. But um, this won't be the last time you see us collaborating. And, oh, that's exciting! For good reason. <laughs> Oh, that's very exciting. I look forward to that project coming out then. <laughs> oh. So tell me a little bit about the the publisher that you guys went with. Because, uh, uh, you know, when I was I was kind of like, you know, before our uh, our interview, I was kind of looking them up a little bit. And it looks like this very interesting model kind of for how they sell how they sell their products. And it, it was it looked very it was very cool because it, it looked like it kind of takes some of the ideas of of Amazon and some other ones, but but changes them and kind of, I don't know, up in some of the stuff. It was it was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I got involved with Kipsell. Um, they're this new new startup. They've uh, they made this content platform, and so when they commissioned me for the book, I think their their vision of um, how they were going to differentiate themselves from other platforms was that they wanted to really involve readers mm-hmm. and um, give you sort of a stake for um, spreading the word about the book. Um, and, and, and in this case, so when you buy a copy of uh clash of the classics you can actually go around and sell it to people mm. um sell it to your friends and and you'll get a commission actually on it um uh, you know you'll get a percentage of the book and the hope with that is is you know i think that there's um you know there's any number of ways that that people who are fans of things kind of interact with what they like um i think that their attitude about this was is that you know, if you've, if you've got a book that you really enjoy and you're trying to talk it up to friends, um, you know, and you want to share it with them, like, why not give people some incentive to that? Like, why not actually make them into kind of a street team for the book? So, uh, it's something that, um, you know, we're, we're, it's going to be an interesting, uh, new approach. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes uh, as we launch. Um, I, I'm hoping I'm getting the technical parts of it right, just because okay. I'm not, um, you know, they're they're the ones who are really uh, the masterminds of this. But um, 
you know, it's, it was really great too, just because from, from my end, um, you know, they were willing to, to commission us and really give us a lot of creative freedom. I was really shocked with what we, we were able to get away with, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing this book. And so I'm excited to see, um, how it just proliferates out there, how mm-hmm. people, you know, I'm, I'm my, I would certainly love it if, if people love it, you know, if people love it, obviously mm-hmm. I would love it if, if they love it and then they get, um, they talk about it to their friends and, you know, keep spread it out. That's very cool. So where can uh, where can people get a get a copy of it, and where can they they start to share it with their friends? Uh, if you go to Kipsell's site, it's pretty easy to just set up in there. Um, it's an international company, so I think you maybe have to like toggle. Um, they they do accept uh, USD and euros. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's if it's displaying euros for you, you just, all you have to do is just kind of go up and you know change the toggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a direct link to make it just that much easier. I mean, the thing that's really exciting about this, I think in comparison to some other projects I've been involved with is just the immediacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening to this right now, you can, you can go get the book right after this. You can even just pause this or even not even pause, <laughs> just have it open up with one tab and, uh, you know, open that up in another tab. Um, and it's something that, uh, that's going to be funny. You know, it's, it's, it's not like when I've worked in print where maybe we're, we're talking about the book ahead of printing it or, you know, you're, you're a few months ahead of solicitations or if it's like a TV show where um, it's going to be airing like a few months down the line. Um, it's, it's done. It's ready to go. And you can you can um, you can buy it and, and read it in your browser. It's, it's digital only mm-hmm. um, right now. And that that's what it was designed for. And I think especially if you've got your colors uh, attuned, they're really going to pop with uh, Nikos's uh il- illustrations i i should mention that he actually colored this as well and this is it looks great um mm-hmm. on a monitor so um it's it's we really wanted to make it something that's just as easy as clicking a couple buttons mm-hmm. that's very awesome oh well, yeah i'm definitely looking forward to picking up a copy for myself and uh reading on my tablet i think it'll be pretty cool <laughs> oh i hope so and then tell your friends <laughs> yeah oh definitely man that's awesome. Well, um, where can uh, where can people like uh, like find your work, follow you? Uh, where are you online? I'm on Twitter. It's just my name. It's just like at Tom Pinchuk. I'd say probably the best place to follow me now is my Substack. Um, I have a newsletter called the Chuck Chronicles, which is spelled C H U K. And I think you know for branding purposes, it's just like half of my name. I just kind of embraced having a funny name. Um, but I think that what's, what's great about that too, is you won't find any other Chuck Chronicles out there. So it should be pretty easy to find on there. Um, I'm, that's really more, um, uh, uh, my outlet these days. I just really couldn't keep up with, you know, I, 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 I think especially with that, when I've been uh, working on projects where I've also been editing or, you know, um, in the case of Andy's, you know, and I was doing like the distribution as well. And, you know, doing like sales and so on. It's just, there's only so many hours of the day and I just, I could not keep up with like trying to produce content at the same time as like, you know, being a regular presence on social media. Um, but what I like about doing the newsletter is, is like, there's no limit, you know, I don't, it's not like 140 characters that I, um, and then that's it. Um, it's something that they're all pretty deep dives. When I do a post, I update probably like close to monthly, <laughs> Um, but they'll, they'll be pretty deep dives and I've also got, um, you know, there's an email on there as well, or, um, you know, open to, uh, anybody reaching out, letting me know what you think of your books or any questions about what I'm working on. Um, and that, yeah. So the Chuck Chronicles, I'd say that that's where you gotta go. Okay. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks Tom for, uh, for joining us on the, uh, on the podcast. So it's always a pleasure to have you on. <laughs> oh, well, pleasure to be back.
<laughs> All right. Well, and everybody, uh, I'll have a link to uh, so that you can uh, download Clash of the uh, Classics. Uh, I'm going to have that in the description for the show. And also, if you're uh, reading the article associated with this, the link will be there as well. Hope you go and uh, pick it up and uh, share it with your friends and uh, check out some of the uh, other work that he's done. Uh, remember, Andy Xenon was a great uh, one shot. I really enjoyed it. So definitely, uh, um, you can check that out as well.